know, he's still being evaluated um, right now. Ah, short soundbite. Cliff Kingsbury yesterday in Nashville when asked about, uh, hey, Antonio Hamilton's not out there. Mm -hmm. Antonio Hamilton has been talked about this preseason as a guy who, whether it's on his own merit, which has kind of been uh, what's advertised, or Marco Wilson struggling, Antonio Hamilton was... Taking over as the number two cornerback. Yeah. Sure, it's a combination of both. Because so, uh, that job was Marco Wilson. It was, and yeah. I know they wanted it to, mm-hmm. to, to that to be the case. Uh, so not out there. Asked about any concerns. No. Uh, more specifically, what is wrong with Antonio Hamilton? Um, we'll let you know week one when we have to. That doesn't sound good. No, it really doesn't. And again, I, I don't know what's to to be gained out of that. In terms so of just serious, yeah, I, I don't know what's to be gained. It's it's not like you're playing a football game on Sunday that you're trying to throw off an opponent. You're not you're not playing games that matter to you at all. I, but th- that kind of portends. Hey, on week one, Antonio Hamilton's going to be on the injury report at least. It does sound that way. Yeah, yeah, which is not ideal mm-hmm. because again. The Arizona Cardinals have not done anything to address the cornerback spot. No, during the start of uh, of this preseason work. No, and it's it. Uh, the more it ha- the more this, the more time lingers, the the more dangerous the situation becomes. Uh, uh, unless for unless for the rare instance in which Steve Kime knows of a player that is probably going to get cut. Mm-hmm. And and has an eye on a guy that's going to get cut and is ready to pounce on that guy, which is very possible. But that's not a trade, and a, a trade would imply that 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 there's a really good cornerback out there that's going to suddenly make the back end of this defense palatable. Well, teams just don't offer up that level of cornerback, so I don't know where the reinforcements are going to come. And the, and the closer you get to week one, the more. The less time you have to integrate that piece into what you're doing, so um, again, I've I've been very perplexed about this team's approach. It, it's been a very weird off season from the very beginning. From the very beginning, I don't think you're being unfair in saying that. From at Super all. Bowl Sunday with Chris Mortensen <laughs> till now, it's been weirdness. dot com. <laughs> Almost every week, something different. Yeah. Yeah, and and I I want to believe, and I do really believe. Uh, I am extremely enthused by what I've seen from Kyler Murray in terms of emotional maturity, personal growth, that kind of stuff. I I'm really hoping that he is going to kaboom this year yeah. and just blow up the NFL. But th- th- on the defensive side, I just I don't I don't understand. How they're validating this? Yeah, uh, and people. When we talked about this yesterday, we got some reaction on Twitter. People saying, "Oh, you guys are acting like there's just a bunch of cornerbacks that are sitting waiting for the phone to ring that, that are available Who, right now." Acting like that, um, we us. There are there are some guys that are out there. Kyle Odegaard, who used to write for the Cardinals, mm-hmm. um, he he put out a list yesterday. Just five names: Joe Hayden, Janoris Jenkins. I think he goes by Jack Rabbit now. Uh, Kevin King, Xavier Rhodes, and a guy that we're all familiar with, and Robert Alford. Those guys are all unemployed right now. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. And I think all of them, if healthy and engaged and ready to go, help would give you a little bit of assistance at that position. Now the trade possibility is still out there. Uh, it hasn't happened. They did make the trade earlier in the week for Cody Ford, who, by the way. He's in Nashville and was already working with the ones because mm-hmm. of Justin Pugh's stinger situation. 
So that's not ideal either. <laughs> yeah. But and, probably why the deal was well, made in the first place. And again, maybe this is uh, maybe some of those guys, those name cornerbacks who are kind of getting up there in age a little bit. Um, maybe the Cardinals are doing the waiting game because if you sign them after the season begins, the contracts are not fully guaranteed mm. for the season. So so maybe it's that. And and then you wonder, well, that's a dicey game to play. Why why would that matter? Are, are, you, are the pennies being pinched to that degree? And then there's the Rob, Robert Alford thing. Robert Alford had two years with this team where unfortunately he could not contribute because he was injured. He came back for a third time and he put together a good year. And so the Cardinals have a ton of familiarity with him. Why isn't he the obvious option? Is he asking for too much money? That would be that would seem weird to me. Oh, absent of of Alfred, is the Cardinals thinking, "Hey, we won 11 games and made the playoffs with a group of Byron Murphy and Antonio Hamilton and Marco Wilson." Uh, uh, maybe they think they're good enough at that position. Others in the organization, Dave Pash said on these airwaves earlier this week, he's concerned about the cornerback room at this point. The uh, Listen, we, we all watched these games. Over the last five, six weeks of the season, that defense looked very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. There were games and series and play. You could see it start to break apart, is what I'm trying to say. So, I uh, again, I, I, I hope there's a solution out there. I hope they've targeted a guy. I hope it's just a matter of time before some reinforcements are coming, because I think they're needed. <laughs> I you know I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, Buda Baker spoke to the media yesterday, and he was asked, "Hey, you and Jalen Thompson, solid, uh, if not spectacular, safety combination. How can you? Uh, how can your presence change what's going on in the cornerback room, if at all?" For me and uh, JT, is just to get the communication out as early as possible, especially with you know guys that you know are relatively new. Um, you know, you got Marco in his second year. As long as we can communicate to them the call beforehand, and they can just lock in. And, you know, after that, you know, God-given gifts that they do will make whoever win the position. So just for us is to get that communication out as early as possible and to let the corners play. Yeah. Um, so right now it seems like hoping for improvement. But when you play in a division with, you know, Cooper Cup and... Allen Robinson and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, in those division games, you're never really getting a break. And everybody, no. you know, most teams have one or two very formidable NFL receivers. It just seems like not not a great matchup right now on any front. No, and it's it, and I I, th- I look at the division and I, I think a couple of different things. I think the Cardinals are clearly slotted, in my opinion, as the number two team in the division, even with all these question marks. The 49ers clearly have a better roster. I don't think anybody would argue about that. In fact, if you rank the 49ers top ten, who are the 49ers top ten? Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, George Gi- Kittle, Jimmy Ward, George Kittle, Fred Warner. Brandon Ayuk is Brandy. I are we calling him elite now? I know. I know they love the him up there. Best left tackle in football, and Trent Williams. Yeah, yeah. Emmanuel Mosley. They've got a bunch of Charvarius Ward is really good. They, they've got a Eric Armstead is really good. They've got a they've got a big group of really good players. But that quarterback piece, man, that is why I'm going to be watching the Texans play football tonight. <laughs> is Trey Lance Trey Lance playing tonight? I haven't seen. Okay. I believe he is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, that that to me, this is it, it's one of the more uh, funkier situations in the oh, NFL. Yeah. But I'm not in agreement with you. I'm not clearly putting the Cardinals at number two. Yeah, and I'm only doing it because of uh, Hope and Kyler. May, may, you know what? Maybe I, maybe I want to retract that. I, they're not clearly at number two. That's that's an overstatement. I'm going to take that back. 
I I think their advantage is at quarterback. We'll see about yes, that. I, and okay. I, I agree with that, okay. definitely. Just announced comedian Tom Segura is heading to Celebrity Theater for a special Netflix taping of his New World Tour. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair of tickets right now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, we have a marriage of a hated player going to a hated team. Patrick Beverly to the Lakers. We'll explore next. Typically, Murata Mornings live from the Akshin Community Studios here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Floorbirds with Bickley and Murata. When I push them, why didn't his teammates do anything? Shows toughness. Devin Booker was right there. Jay Crowder was right there. Ain't nobody pushing me, man. Somebody pushed me on the team. Minnesota Timberwolves is going up. Somebody pushed me on the L.A. Clippers is going up. But Phoenix, no. No, but everyone knows that. They're a great team. They're okay team. Great, greatly coached. They have a system in play that can get you 58 to 65 wins a season, no matter what. No matter who plays. Remember, Chris Paul was hurt half of the season. So no matter who plays, they're going to give you 50, 55 to 65 wins a season. But that don't mean you're a, you, the people are afraid of you. Oh, Patrick Beverly, when he did his tour on uh, First Take and ESPN every day, going back and reminiscing on why didn't the Suns push me back when I, like a coward, pushed Chris Paul in the back mm. after the, uh, basically in the final seconds of Game 6 of the Western Conference Finals. You really have to ask that question yeah, out loud? Listen, I, 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 uh, you can make fun of him all you want. I don't like Patrick Beverly either. What he did to Chris Paul that night was one of the cheapest, most bush things I've ever seen, but I have heard this from a lot of people, that that the Suns either have the most restraint of any basketball team in history or or there is something a little off that they didn't have somebody who jumped to Chris Paul's defense. I'm just saying. I In real time, I watched it and I marveled at the Phoenix Suns' restraint because they knew that if you get involved, entangled, you're looking at a suspension just as your team is going into the NBA Finals. But I have talked to a lot of smart basketball people who keep asking that question. Which, and I'm not, I'm not validating Patrick Beverly because he's an idiot. But I'm saying I've heard that same thing, and I've shared that with you. I've heard that from a, a, a handful of people who think that, that something was off. But that team was two years ago. Yeah, that was two years uh, it ago. Was two I years just ago. wanted to get team it to even the, incite the masses. Listen, if, if, if we want to incite Pat Beverly, I'm all there for that. I do not like that guy. At, I used to really admire the skill he brought to the basketball court. He is just, he's off the rails in terms of endangering other players, and I'm not down with that. And and, and so and now he's a Laker. And now he's a Laker. How great. A marriage made in hell. How great. <laughs> yeah. And people are saying, uh, you know, first, there's there's the point that Patrick Beverly gets traded more than any player in the league. And I pointed it out in, in the last two offseasons, went from the Clippers to Memphis to Minnesota to Utah. Uh, now to the Lakers. That's in mm-hmm. 13 months. He serves a purpose. What that purpose is with the Lakers right now, who still have Russell Westbrook on that roster. I think, and people are saying, how is the, how, how are Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook going to coexist? Patrick Beverly cheap-shotted Russell Westbrook in, in, in a playoff game. And tore his meniscus, knocked him out of the playoffs once upon a time in Oklahoma that. City. I forgot There's about that. There's all kinds of bad blood between those two. Guess what? It won't matter. Russell Westbrook is never going to play with Patrick Beverly. They're going to find a way. Uh-huh. to trade Russell Westbrook. And okay. I think he's going to Indiana. Really? Yeah. 
I think the the Lakers will be able to turn Russell Westbrook, who just it was a square peg in a round hole in, in Los Angeles, didn't fit. It was hard to watch last year. Yeah, but they'll turn him into Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Okay, you watch. That would uh, okay. Yeah, I, I, and, I and that's a good. A that's a great there. trade for the Lakers. Yeah, I think so. Oh, well, look, getting anything in return for Russell Westbrook, he's not a winning player. I don't know why the Pacers would be interested in that, but whatever. Yeah, why would they? They already have Halliburton. Well, and he's going to be the guy they build around, but Russell Westbrook, last year of his contract, I think. Oh, okay. There you go. There's your answer. Even though it's $44.7 million. Yeah, but, but that's a, that gives you a ton of relief going into next year, the, going into the following year. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I knew the Pacers were kind of done with Buddy Heald. Okay, listen, yeah, I think that would be a good trade for the Lakers, and, and I do think I, the Lakers are to be taken seriously if Anthony Davis stays healthy, but there's so little evidence of that that it's it's only a moderate worry of mine. Yeah, because the the injury history is so vast. I mean, how can you count on that with any with any certainty? Mm-hmm. And I I it, I almost feel bad about joking around about it. But the amount of time, it, 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 there's never really a stretch in any basketball game, even when Anthony Davis is healthy, mm-hmm. where you don't think he just got hurt. Like, he comes down after jumping for a rebound, and he grabs his ankles. Or if he goes to the floor when he's fouled underneath, he's grabbing something. It's it's almost, it, it's weird. I've never seen a player like that I before. Know. It, it just I feels like unreal. he's so fragile, which is crazy because he's built up his body to the point. And, and some people say that that's his problem. He built his upper body up so much. And he's still got the, the, the skinny legs. Don't skip leg day. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that don't is, skip leg day. That is structurally unsound at this point. Uh-huh. I, I don't. And I agree with you. If that happens, you still have LeBron James. Yes, he's old. He just signed the new contract. The numbers he put up last year were eye-popping. Mm-hmm. For, even though it didn't lead to a lot of winning, just yeah. the sheer numbers he put up were crazy yeah. for that age. Yeah. And I like some of the, the maneuvers they've made this offseason. You know, you get rid of you know, Carmelo Anthony won't be back. Like I said, I think Russell Westbrook will be gone. You add Thomas Bryant. You add Lonnie Walker. Uh, they add some players that that, that have roles. They're expecting Austin uh, 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 Powers. Austin Powers. <laughs> I can't think of it. Austin, Austin Reeves. Reeves. Oh, him. Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves to move into the uh, the starting lineup, and he was actually good. And they're able to trade Taylor Horton Tucker, which they whiffed on, by the way. It came down to him and Alex oh, well, Caruso, and that they let Caruso true. go, and they went with THT, and he stunk out loud THT. last year. So all this being said, let's suppose they, they do bring in Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, they have Patrick Beverly, all those other moves. All that being said, do you, are, do you have any fear of the Lakers now? If you're a Suns fan, Jared, I just explained. I just explained. I'm Vinny, <laughs> oh, were you? Help me out here, Sarah. Did I Bigley, not just Bigley explain said, my yes, thoughts on the Lakers? Yes. Absolutely, there's some fear. First I think, of all, I'll, I'll point out every time that we repeat ourselves for you, Dan. <laughs> then, oh, whoa, then, oh, ooh, but I was bringing oh, that up for for Sarah, Vince. Since you got any popcorn? Oh. <laughs> okay, Jared, you want to go with this? You want to play this game today? No, 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 no I'm, I'm just. I do have a hand fruit. I'm, I'm game, Jared. I, I was, I'm game. I, I, I was just reiterating the point. The point to sort of like bring it back to like, should Suns fans worry about the Lakers? Yeah, I think they're currently a playoff team with health. I think if they're able to swing that deal with Indiana, they become a middle of the pack playoff team in the Western yeah. Conference, and they still have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yes, 
I think I think the Suns really primarily have to worry about themselves and and filling in the gaps that might have been holding them back in the process. I'm I'm really curious to see if internally if they have said we have got to give the power forward job to Cam Johnson on a full time basis. I I could see this organization going yes we have to do that we we need to make this move. I'm curious what that's going to look like. I'm curious um, what kind of real toughness this basketball team is going to show um, based on how they were emasculated in the playoffs last year. Again, I'm not going to validate anything Pat Beverly says because I think he's a joker, but what he said about the Suns and being a try-hard team, that's that's dogging them right now. And they're going to have to clap back on that on the court this year. They're going to have to get out of this mode of foul hunting all the time. They're going to have to get hardcore. And 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 so I'm real, I'm going to be real curious to see exactly how they sharpen themselves because bringing in Pat Beverly to the Lakers that's going to sharpen the Lakers. Suns have got to do that same thing with their crew. And and I don't know if that means another piece that's still out there. I don't know whether it's it's going to be some addition by subtraction. I don't know whether it's just maybe being remotivated based on. What failure looked like last year, I don't know. But well, one thing they haven't done, the Suns, is bring in anybody that changed their DNA at all. Like they brought in some small pieces here and there, maybe back of the end rotation guys. Yeah. But they haven't done anything that actually, like, as you said, sharpens them or, or adds anything well, to their. They've been trying. They've been they've been in this game for Kevin Durant, so that it, it's not like they've been wasting their time. And and the Kevin Durant thing would sharpen them beyond belief, yeah. which is probably why he's so appealing to them. The only thing about the Durant thing, though, is, is if what's sort of like half being reported, if they were told right away, you do not have enough for Kevin Durant. It's not happening. What you're offering us, it's not happening. You don't have enough. At, at some point, you have to sort of move on from Listen, that. But that, see, I, I, me personally, I don't believe that. I don't believe I don't believe that's the case because that would be derelict. Yeah. If you were told at the very beginning you do not have enough to get this done, then what? They've just been sitting around for months doing nothing. Yeah, logic would tell you that the longer you wait, yeah, I don't the, the less the demand would be, and no other team was able to swing a deal. My, my issue with the Suns is yes, they are still a very good basketball team. I think they're near the top of the Western yeah. Conference as currently constructed. But the things that we talked about at the end of last year that were weaknesses for them: a backup ball handler. They have not addressed that. They got killed at times. Uh, rebounding the basketball, especially in the New Orleans series. They have not uh, addressed that. Reliable bench scorer. They have not addressed that. So, I mean, if you're going back, you might have, and we talked to Kellen about it. He said those themes could repeat in a playoff series once the, again. The thing that I can't get out of my mind, and it's and to me it's a really big deal, it's the way they just went into this foul hunting mode so much against the Mavericks as if they didn't believe what they had in basketball skill was enough. And uh, there's... I don't know if you've seen this collage of picture, and, and even D. Book was really bad about this. He was over exaggerating every bit of contact, yeah. and, and they, they got to stop that. They've got to play the game and not play the refs. When you're when you're consumed with playing the refs, that's a sign of weakness. I think that definitely happened. Yeah, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, big stories of the day through the rush hour reboot with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Ninety eight seven FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Rush hour reboot. Rush hour reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you. 
by Brooklyn Betting, Arizona built for America's dreams. It is the Rush Hour Reboot, ladies and gentlemen. We do it every single day at 730 here on Bickley Murata Mornings. We take you through the top stories of the day. Everything you need to know in Arizona sports and beyond packaged up nicely in this one segment, guys. I am Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey, Vince Murata. Good morning, Vietnam! Ooh, I should start my updates with that. That'd be good. And Jarrett Carlin. Pulled Pork Party. Pulled Pork Party. <laughs> now that's a good band name. Pulled Pork Party. Yes, please. I would like an invite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the Arizona Cardinals and the Tennessee Titans. They had their one joint practice in Nashville yesterday. Uh, it was supposed to be another one today, but um, Cliff Kingsbury asked uh, Rabel to very kindly nix that for today. Uh, they're preparing for their final game of the preseason on Saturday, which will be in Nashville, and it will be on this very station at 4 o'clock Arizona time. Uh, they did some 7-on-7 seven seven work, they did some 1-on-1 one one drills, and all reports from the practice really seem to favor the Cardinals over Tennessee, and Buda Baker was beaming talking about the day that the Cardinals' defense had. Honestly, it's just about competing for me, uh, for the team as well. I feel like that compete factor of another, you know, going against your same teammates, Week in and week out, you know, that kind of gets boring. It's, it's, it's fun to go against, you know, a new type of group. And especially with a lot of the ones not playing in the preseason, uh, this joint practice um, has helped a lot with us, you know, covering covering different guys. You know, my favorite was everything, one-on-one, seven-on, and two-minute. Because, you know, that we'll get in situations like that in the game. So it's definitely uh, definitely was a great day today. <laughs> I like how he says, my favorite part was everything. <laughs> it's like, what was, the, what was the best part of your first day of school, honey? Everything. What's your favorite movie? All of them. Favorite movie. Oh, man. He also said, if we, the defense, can do great against Tennessee, I feel like we can do great against anybody. So, which offense do you think will be the toughest that the Cardinals will face in the 2022 regular season? I've got four options that you can rank as you see fit, or if there's another team you want to throw in, please do. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's the Kansas City Chiefs Mm -hmm. right out the gate, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Christmas Day, uh, the LA Chargers in Week 12, and then the Rams in Weeks 3 and 10. I'm going to say the Rams because they have to play him twice. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Um, look, the San Francisco offense, mm. if Trey Lance puts it together, could could be on that list. But uh, I'll, I'll go a little different. You know, week one, Kansas City's offense is proven. I know a lot of the pieces are different, but you yeah. still have you know the same guy calling the plays and the same guy slinging it back there. So I'll put uh, I'll put Kansas City as my pick. Uh, speaking of the 49ers, Bick, I went and confirmed Trey Lance will start tonight. Okay, good for the 49ers. Thank you, Sarah. Yes. Fire up that Amazon. I, yeah, yes. I got. It. Absolutely. All right. Something we've talked about over the last couple weeks, really since the, the start of the preseason, is how the Cardinals starters aren't getting any meaningful or most of the Cardinals starters aren't getting any meaningful reps. And, you know, how are they going to shake off the rust without game action before the regular season? That's something Max Starks was talking about on our show yesterday. Um, but then simultaneously, we've all said how useless the preseason is and it's not real football and we hate it. And can you get rid of it? So when it really comes down to it, what would you rather have? Three preseason games where all of the starters are getting meaningful playing time or no preseason? 
No preseason games. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the latter. I just it, it's I've as years go by, I grow increasingly frustrated with it because I want them to mean something and they don't, and I I want to find meaning in watching them and there is none, and it's just it's it's a grift. It's a it's one of the all time scams in professional sports. Uh, of those two choices, I would lean towards no preseason. Uh, and, and other teams attack it differently. I get it. There's some use yeah. to it still. I think the use is diminishing every single year. We, we we talk about this. But, yeah, I'd rather see no preseason. Mm-hmm. They can do it in college. They can do it in the pros. True. Absolutely can. All right, let's go to golf. The PGA is making some big, big changes to improve its product and, you know, stand up against the Live Golf Tour, which has taken some key players uh, from the PGA this year. Among the changes, there are many, but among the changes... 12 events throughout the PGA Tour season are going to have average purses of at least $20 million. Fully exempt members of the tour will be guaranteed a minimum $500,000 salary per season so long as they play the required number of events. Some players are going to miss, or excuse me, are going to receive $5,000 for every missed cuts, the ones who are not really earning as much. And the top golfers in the league are going to commit to play 20 times a season, making it easier for for golf viewers, golf fans, to know they're going to be able to see the stars that they want to see whenever they turn golf on. Dan, I want to start with you. Yeah. Our resident golf guy. Yeah. Do you think these changes are going to help stop the flow? Yes, definitely. Yes, definitely. There's two things to this story. Number one, bringing up all of those things that the PGA Tour has added. Guaranteed money for players who who occasionally miss cuts and still have to pay for caddies and airline tickets and all that. That's going to go over big. Um, having guaranteed money given to, pl- to to the top 20 players. All of that is going to really help the PGA Tour. What I find fascinating is if you watch the Open Championship, Tiger Woods didn't make the cut, Rory didn't win the tournament, and it felt like a big fail for the PGA Tour that they've got these two guys that can't quite carry the sport anymore with this live golf threat. And Tiger, is a, he has, he's having a hard time walking. Mm-hmm. So they've created a venue to maximize a Tiger Woods who can barely walk a golf course anymore, and they're going to use him playing simulated golf in prime time on a Monday night with in a team concept in something that's called the Golf League, TGL, just like LIV. They're clearly marketing themselves just like LIV, and with Tiger Woods, they're going to get a contract, a television contract, well before Live Golf will. So there's two elements to this. But the fact that they found this alternative way to be able to utilize Tiger, who probably cannot win a regular golf course anymore, by creating a TV venue for him, it's genius. Mm-hmm. And those uh, TV ratings for the Monday night event, when that kicks in in 2024, will probably be better than the t- TV ratings for the PGA Tour events, yeah. depending You're on who's on the leaderboard. Right. You're yeah. probably yeah, right, because Ti- it's Tiger. Tiger Woods will be there. You As know they that. say in golf, Tiger doesn't move the needle. Tiger is the needle. Thank you, Sarah. We're all rebooted. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at uh, 7.30. Coming up next, always a pleasure when we get to be joined by the one and only Charles Barkley from NBA on TNT. We'll do it next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
1067 FM, Arizona's sports station. Dan Bickley beats Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Yeah, we continue the Thursday edition of Bickley and Murata mornings. Always a pleasure when we welcome our next guest to the show. He's back. Charles Barkley, the one and only, joins us on the Arizona Sports Line. Chuck, how you been, man? Man, I'm doing great. Just playing golf every day, loving life. Uh, not doing, not doing anything right now, but everything is great. That's, I got to tell you, super, delightful. superstar, your golf swing's looking better and better, Chuck. Yeah, I'm, I, I put a lot of time into it, a lot of effort. Shout out to my boy Stan Utley. Just shot a photo shoot with him and Aspen. I'm playing great right now. Uh, probably back down to a ten handicap for wow. the first time in forever. Uh, been, I, play, I played every day for like the last two months, so uh, I'm excited, and uh, I'm going to keep getting better, though. Wow, that's awesome. That's great. Uh, to the basketball news, Chuck, uh, the Kevin Durant situation, we, we got caught by surprise that that was the solution that was offered right now, that he's going back to Brooklyn. Uh, are you convinced that that's a long-term fix, or you think it's still very temporary? Well, it's going to be interesting. I thought he was going to stay there the whole time because they wasn't getting any good deals. I mean, listen, if Boston had taken Jalen Brown, uh, if the Nets had taken Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart for Kevin, Kevin, that would have been one of the stupidest moves of all time. I'm not trading him. And if I if I if I got to play against him and Jason Tatum for the next ten years, I'm not going to win. Boston would be a contender, uh, but. Uh, I thought he would end up staying there because they were they weren't going they didn't get offered anything I thought that was substantial. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but man, they're going to be tough to beat. But it's going to be interesting how his relationship with Steve Nash and Sean Marks is. They've got to win right away, or it's just gonna you know how they how they're going to do it in New York. They're going to talk about it every single day. Yeah, but they got a couple things in their favor. Number one, Kyrie can't be an idiot because he because he got he got to play well to be a free agent after the season. Mm-hmm. And then Ben Simmons, he's got to play well because he's got to prove everybody wrong. So man, if if they buy in, they could be really tough to beat. Kevin Durant, the thing about it, for him to go and ask for two heads on a platter, to ask for that a team fire a GM and a head coach, that's never been done before. What do you think Kevin Durant's legacy is going to be when it's all said and done? Well, I think it depends on if he win again. Uh, because, you know, he piggybacked, you know, all the old guys. He get mad when we said he piggybacked on the Warriors to win his first champion, two championships. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and look at his career, as the best player and being a leader that all goes with that, he's been an abject failure. I mean, every time he's been like the guy who has to be the leader and the best player, uh, he has not had success. It's true. And that's what us old guys think about him until he becomes a leader and best player on a championship team where he has to deal with all the responsibility, all the media stuff that goes with it, expectations. So we're always going to hold that against him. Uh, but, man, he just seems like a miserable person, man. I call him Mr. Miserable. He's never going to be happy. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Charles Barkley. I mean, I mean you, you know, you got every – I mean, everybody's giving him everything on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. You know, he – he was a man in, in, in Oklahoma City. They loved him. He owned the entire state. And then he bolts on them and goes to the Warriors. He wins back-to-back championships, and he's still not happy. He goes to Brooklyn. They give him everything he wants, and he's still miserable. 
That's why I call him Mr. Miserable. <laughs> Charles Barkley, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, the Suns, uh, we know they were in, in the mix because KD had, had listed them as a place where he wanted to go. We don't know how far that went. We know the Suns obviously didn't have the package to land Kevin Durant, but they haven't done a lot of improving, and, and we're all still kind of shell-shocked here in Phoenix, Charles, about what happened at the in, in Game 7 against Dallas, and Game 6 for that matter. Um, what do you think the Suns need to do to improve? Well, if I were the Suns, I would have went for the KD deal. Um, I, I personally, because if you give me Devin Booker and KD and Chris Paul, I like my chances going forward for the next X amount of years. Because, uh, uh, you know, I heard Aiden and Bridges. I'm like, I might do that deal. I might do that deal. Uh, but, man, um, I was shell-shocked. You know, I'm not normally shell-shocked in a game, watching a game. Uh-huh. But Game 7 was the most crazy thing I've probably ever seen from an NBA team at home in a Game 7. Like, I know teams have lost Game 7s at home, but the way that game was over at the end of the half. Uh, you know, we were sitting in the studio, and Shaq and Kenny and Ernie looking at me like, what's going on? I'm like, dude, I'm in total shock right now. I have zero idea what happened. I've never seen, seen that situation before. Uh, but you see all the stuff that came out later. So it must have had some friction going on, and it just balled to a head. That's the only thing I could think of, to be honest with you. No doubt about it. And, you know, as a guy that put forth some monstrous efforts in Game 7, you know that, that that's where legacies are built. I'll, I'll never forget what you did to the Supersonics at America West Arena in Game 7. When, when you look at the Phoenix Suns, I, this is going to follow them, isn't it, inside the league? I, I, I'm not sure there's a, a ton of league-wide respect for this basketball team after what they just put forth. Well, it, you know, it was a perfect scenario, to be honest with you, because they would have beat the Warriors. Because, you know, in a seven-game series, it's really just about matchups. And the Warriors did not want to see the Suns. I mean, that, the Suns were like a, a kryptonite for the Warriors. They'd be athletic and big. That's what the Warriors did not want to play. So everything shaked out perfectly for the Warriors. Hey, they got a great team. You look at uh, Wiggins played great. Poole played great. Um, so, they, but they would have been a nightmare matchup. The Suns would have been. It would have been great for them. But man, you're right. Uh, uh, but the thing is, now the Suns are not going to be favorite going forward. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest problem they got. Because now. I'm gonna pick the Clippers to win the West probably. Uh, that's just uh, you know I don't know the Warriors gonna be interesting because they got to figure out how they're gonna pay all these young kids because obviously Clay's not the same, Draymond's not the same, Steph you know he played great, but can you count on Wiggins and Poole? You got to count on Kaminga uh, going forward. Uh, I forget the big the big kid's name James the, Wiseman. The James Wiseman. So they're going to be interesting because they got to start paying those guys soon. Yeah. And what's going to be interesting? We don't know what's going to happen with Denver with Murray coming back. Yeah. So the Suns missed a golden opportunity where they were favored and probably should have won it. Uh, but man, going forward, I'm like I say, I'm probably going to pick the Clippers to win the championship. Going when we start getting ready, I said it already, but because uh, man, when they get everybody healthy, they've done a good job of getting making their bench better. 
I like the addition of John Wall. But if, if Kawhi and Paul George come back and they're two of the ten best players in the world, man, they're going to be really, really tough to beat. The by, by the end of the playoffs, and this has kind of become a pet peeve of mine, the Suns had become a team that they were just foul hunting all the time. They were just um, acting and grimacing and flopping. And What does that say about a basketball team when you get lost in the pursuit of that, when you get lost in that officials game, if you will? Well, you got to understand one thing about the playoffs. The, the, the longer the playoff goes, it's not like the regular season. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if the refs do it intentionally or they get a memo or something. They're gonna let you play during the playoffs. You're not gonna get those fouls where you jumping into people or where you flailing away. So you have to adjust. I mean, that's why you see a lot of guys complaining. And they, but they have to be smart enough to understand we're not going to get all the calls in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the one thing you have to really be careful of, you're definitely not going to get those calls on the road. Yeah. Uh, so, because there, uh, we are, we, we, we used to always look at who the officials were, like if you were going to play a really good team on the road. Because a lot of referees, they're scared to death. Once they make a couple of calls, and the, the fans start going crazy <laughs> on them, they're not going to call another foul for the next five, ten minutes. <laughs> you know. Right. We, 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 listen, we used to say, oh, man, we got this dude. He's a coward. He, he's not going to call fouls on the road. You know, so so they have to, you have to factor all that stuff in. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, Charles, we appreciate your time as always. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, the Suns unveiled uh, the 92-93 jerseys. 30-year anniversary. Can you believe it's been 30 years since you landed in Phoenix, man? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if I ruined your day. Hey, no, has it been 30 years for real? Yeah, 92. Oh, my God. Isn't man. that nuts? Hey, man, it, I, I, first of all, you know, I, I said at Grant Woods' funeral, one of the greatest people I've met since I've been in Phoenix, rest in peace, Grant Woods. Shout out to his family, one of the best people I've ever met. I said the best thing about getting traded to Phoenix, I got a bunch of friends. Grant was one of them. You know, Crazy Roy Green <laughs> is one of them. My, my, boy, my boy Mike Pope uh, is a great friend of mine. But the main thing, man, I got a home. I'm not. I'm never leaving Arizona. The people are tremendous. I, I love living in, in in Arizona, but man, I can't believe it's been that long. Man, I'm getting old. <laughs> we all are. Charles. You're just getting better, Chuck. <laughs> hey, hey, listen though. Hey, man, how excited are we about the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, I'm very excited about this offense. I'm just <laughs> tripping a little bit about this defense. They're not spending a dime on this defense. Are you well, excited? I'm, Are you excited about them? I am. I'm a big time and Cliff Kingsbury fan. Uh, I like Cliff a lot. I think he's done a heck of a job making us relevant again. Same thing with Steve Kime. You know, I, I like the controversy in the offseason with Kyler Murray. I like it because when you start holding your stars accountable, you know, I went through it with Jerry and I went through it with Cotton. You know, like, hey, when you're the man, you got to be the man. I'm like, it is what it is. I understand it. <laughs> so I like the fact they challenged him this offseason. 
And uh, I think it's going to really pay dividends going forward. I really think it's going to pay dividends. But I told you, I'm a big Cliff Kingsbury fan and Steve Kahn, but I want to see Kyler Murray take the next step and be that superstar quarterback. No, you know, yeah. with, 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 when they give you all that money, it changes the whole dynamic of your life. It comes with great responsibility. Hey, and and uh, I'm telling you, I'm excited. I think he's going to stand up to the challenge. I really do. I hope and they're going to be great. And, hey, listen, our defense is going to be fine. Trust me. Our defense is going to be fine. Charles, you're making some Cardinals fans feel yeah. better this morning. You're the best, man. Thanks for uh, joining Thank us, you, as brother. always. All right, guys. You guys be safe and take care of yourself. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, Charles Barkley, the legend, the NBA great. on TNT, the Hall of Famer. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Bick's got your blast to kick off the second half of the Thursday show next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.